to the Golf Barons podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello, Barons. Today's Tenuous Links Golf Podcast is brought to you by Under Armour, makers of some of the finest performance golf apparel, shoes, and accessories you'll find anywhere on the planet. Under Armour apparel is incredibly comfortable, is the perfect blend between athletic and swagger, and they have something for all kinds of conditions, whether hot or cold, wet or windy, and everything and anything in between. Add some more swagger to your swing, some more swagger to your wardrobe with Under Armour, fully Barons-approved apparel. Now, boys, you all know how much I love my Under Armour apparel. It's good to have everyone in for today's podcast. Good evening. Hello. Or good morning, depending on when you're listening. 30% updates. Yes, or good night. <laughs> oh, boys, you're off to an absolute fly. Now, I just need to get- <laughs> that was as awkward and I, slow. I just need to get something off my chest, boys. It's been annoying me a little bit this week. I there's, there's a lot of haters out there. Uh, people people hating on, on the Northern Trust, uh, Dustin Johnson getting to 30 under, saying, oh, golf's too easy, look at him getting. But isn't that, isn't that why we love golf? Low scores, really low scores, you know, the chance for 59 or a 60, surely those people are just <laughs> clowns. Clowns, because that was actually my hate. I cannot stand when people say, oh, it's too easy for them. Well, who gives a crap? And not only that, <laughs> it's all um, relative. You go yeah. do it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but not only that, he won by he won by eleven shots. Like it's not like it was easy for everyone. It's not like it was, there were twenty nine unders and thirty. Anyway, it's 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 a hatred what, of mine how people go straight to that negativity. Yeah, and and it also that, that flows over onto easy per se courses where they're like, oh, I don't play there. It's too easy. Oh, oh yeah, when did you shoot fifty nine there? Like they're clowns. Um, that's easily my hate. Well, while we're on that, Dees, have you been to TPC Boston? Have you walked around it? No. Oh, yeah, Hang on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I have. Yeah, sorry. Not yeah. that easy? No. Well, look, it depends how they set any course up. You only have to look at you know, your, your local track that gets a, an Australian Open at, at it, like your Victorias and these things. Go and play them on a casual Saturday mm. and, yeah, you can, Very you, can go deep, you can go deep. But play it under tournament conditions where they grow the rough, harden the fairways, rock hard greens, and then put pins in hard places. It's, it's nothing like it is normally. So, I don't know. Courses can be tripped up quite easily, really. It's there, There's a little bit of a variable that I'll throw in here, and we witnessed it at Madonna last year when Madonna had some incredible amount of rain in the lead-up in the week before the event. Mm. And so it was just playing as easy as anything. And they were shooting lights out and it's, oh, even some of our esteemed media colleagues in Australia were, oh, it's just too easy now. This is ridiculous. No, it was called rain. And if you look at the conditions that around Boston for the week, including thunderstorms and all the rest mm. of it, the greens were soft and rolling perfectly, but they were so it was set up for scoring. The incredible thing about Dustin Johnson, though, getting to 30 is that everyone, the average scoring wasn't, I mean, the cut wasn't yeah. nine under. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as we saw, unfortunately, with, you know, with Cam Davis, it was very easy to finish 73-73 over a weekend. So to shoot 60 and to have another guy shoot 59 and have Dustin Johnson, for mine, be 11 under after 11 holes was about as exciting as you could get. And I think it was Nick Faldo who uttered something along the lines of uh, he that was a uh, – how could it be considered an ordinary 60? Mm. But when he – he had – 
He shot 60, but in reality, it could have been 57. So it was an ordinary 60. Um, and he said it in the right spirit. I don't want to ax him this week. You um, needed to fill in but the box. No, no, low scoring, is, exi- low scoring is exciting. Is that, pe- is that people uh, like, just as like close tournaments. wanting people who, who, who aren't as good at the game wanting to see other people fail? Is that, is that what it is? Misery loves company. There's a fair bit of that. It's along that line. It's just the problem that, that people can't hack anyone being good at anything, basically. It's a tall poppy syndrome all the time. Uh, just they shoot rather than celebrating the victory that was an amazing effort. Incredible and, effort. Yeah, you know, when when someone leaps a field by that much, it, it's just outstanding. And that's why like it's it it, it really got on my goat because I, I hear it all the time just locally when my you know, friends and that they're talking about going playing easy courses and hardcore. I don't play there because it's, it's easy. Well, I, it, I don't know, I understand that. I just, I just never yeah. get it. Golf's about having going, having a hit and having fun, isn't it? Yeah, and again, have they shot under the card there, Dees? Exactly. Or are they still shooting over? <laughs> exactly right. Oh. oh, I don't want to bag my friends, but no. <laughs> and I'd leave the two of them out of it. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what else is a monumental effort, similar to Dustin Johnson, and that is me embarking on my quest to pick up 15 miles per hour in club head speed. This is, is I mean, this, 15, is, a, this is going to be a yeah, – uh, yeah, you've gone up to 15. Sorry, <laughs> Dees, I decided that your prediction of 7, or, seven to 10 was not quite enough and I've declared <laughs> 15. So Double. I've embarked without Kipper. I've embarked on my journey. And you know what I hate about the journey is that I'm trying to swing it and muck around with all these devices, be it Twitch or Zep or bloody blast motion or anything else, with no idea when I'll finally be able to play golf, whether I'll be able to make contact with the ball. So I'm (laughs) swinging and hooping, trying to pick up 15 miles per hour, and there's every chance that I'll stand over a golf ball and have – Air swing, shank, <laughs> cha-ching. Be the I, I don't know what – I've thrown everything out the window. But I tell you what, if golf was all about avatars, I'm swinging it pretty good. It doesn't matter if you uh, if you do shank right off the tee, Philip. As long as you peel out one at 110, you've, you've won. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but these all I'll say regarding, the, regarding our last uh, podcast is that uh, own, own your own swing, my ass. <laughs> That's just not working for me. I want to own Cameron Champ's swing and I want you to hurry up and build it and we'll get onto that with one of the questions from the gallery later on. But anyway, there's my hate done. Well, not g- guys, my, my hate and look, maybe this has something to do with the fact that I'm, I'm still new to the game. But you know, I sat down and watched the PGA Championships the other the other week, and I hate the way the game is broadcast. This is this is this is how the golf the game of golf is broadcast. Here's a guy on the 16th tee shot, whoosh, bounce bounce. Here's a guy on the third green putt, missed it. Here's a guy on the fifth fairway, oh, and he shanked it. Here's a guy on the 19th green, 19th green. <laughs> <laughs> this is and this is and I'm Are you going to go there, through the whole I'm tournament, going, What is going on? Like, like, and and it annoyed me for a couple of reasons. One, it's almost impossible to really follow and get into it to to invest in any particular player, any particular shot because it jumps around so much. The second thing is. Every time they cut to a player, I want some context. Like that, I want them to tell me what is the challenge that this player is facing. That that's when you play the game of golf. And you're about to tee off. You want to know what the hole is like, where's the turns, what's you know, how do, where do I need to try and put it? And, and, and there's none of that context. So I, I kind of feel like they just need to slow the coverage down a little bit. Every time there's a shot, tell me where, where he's where he's get, where he needs to try and hit it. You know, where on the green is the ideal spot for the ball to bounce? You know, give me some context for what he's trying to do before he does it, and then and then let that let the play happen. 
With all of that said, Dav, at least we did get to see Pro Tracer over and over again. It's my favourite thing in golf. I love that Pro Tracer, seeing the action shot shapes of these players. Oh, that's a game changer for actually visually because it's even worse. Like, Dav, it's further to your point that you're spot on and it's been like that for forever. And when someone does come into the game new, you know, so to speak yourself, that, that sees it for the first time, try, try sitting down someone who doesn't like golf, right, and have them watch it. It's 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 all it's, it's they're not going to last horrendous, long, <laughs> right? And and but you just can't, right? So so you got to. That's why you know, golf is all about people who, who actually like the game. No new new blood really gets to have and, an avenue uh, to it, right? That's why our show's good. Golf. <laughs> well, I think the, the, the point of mm. the point of sport anyway. is you want to see a battle, you want to see some conflict, you want to you know see some story, you want to see how something's unfolding, some drama, you know. It's, and and it just the way that yeah. I think it's covered, you just don't get any. Element you don't get any element of that until probably late in the tournament. Is that fair to say? You start to see. It's also difficult to have because it's a in a stroke play event. So if the match play events are very different because it is mano e mano because I'm, I'm multilingual. <laughs> but in in a stroke play event, the reality is is that if for the first two days the guy on the third could be. One, he could have teed off on 10. He could be in the middle of a hot round and the guy on 16 is in the middle of a hot round. But you're, you're right, that, that's the context that needs explaining. And I have, I have no doubt ideas. that you've got some, some solutions ideas. for us, Dav, that I reckon <laughs> we're going to touch on when we get to game changes. But, Damo, you kicked us off with a hate. And, Kipper, I'm, I've just accepted that your hate was Damo's hate, so I've moved on. Shruti, you've, <laughs> kicked us off with a, you've kicked us off with a hate. But now you need to bring us back with a love. Oh, I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. I tell you what I love, and I love this in sport. I think a lot, most people probably do, but how good is it seeing an underdog win? Seeing an underdog get up and the the back you hear a backstory that you would otherwise not have heard. And I'm speaking, of course, of Sophia Popov, the German who won the British uh, women's British Open. Alex Popov's sister. How good was that? Uh, no relation, of course. She's twenty. So was she? Twenty seven. She came into the tournament ranked three hundred and fourth in the world. Not that many people would have known her. With the win, she triples her career earnings at, at Royal Train. Mm. I mean, it's I love hearing and seeing an underdog get up, especially at an elite level. Sort of reminded me a little bit of when Louis uh, Louis Ustazen won the Open in 2010. He was what 27 years old. Now he was he wasn't obviously he, he wasn't as you know as unknown. He's probably more unknown in the PGA, uh, the US PGA Tour circles. But he was uh, I was going to say with Louis. He sort of came out of nowhere, and then he led, and people were saying, "Who is this guy?" And he gets up and wins wins the greatest major of them all, in my opinion. Very, yeah, I, I love seeing an underdog or hearing an underdog get up. But she discussed quitting. I mean, this is the amazing thing. Like she discussed quitting. She'd played everything from Sumatra tour to in the US. She'd lost a PGA tour card, mm-hmm. a LPGA tour card, and then missed qualifying by a shot, and was kind of in the in the doldrums and contemplating, you know, do I give up? Yeah. And then. But but said, and I'm, I know I'm not quoting it, but something along the lines, you know, there was just a voice saying, no, you've got to just keep going. This is what you do. Um, and she was so awesome. Mm, I mean, that, yeah. that, that mm. last round, she they, they were coming at her from everywhere and, you know, she had to sleep on a lead. They were coming at her from everywhere and was so Calm. good. That is just textbook Adam Scott pay attention last round uh, open championship <laughs> or British Open. Golf, obviously her caddy, who's also a, a partner, boyfriend, or otherwise, obviously had a very good caddy, keep, her, keep a level head. <laughs> she obviously also ignored all his advice and just did what she yeah, needed to right. do to win. But it's, it's a Cinderella story, though. That, that's the thing, isn't it? Everyone loves a Cinderella story. It's just like, yeah, you can relate to it 
you know, because everyone goes through hard times and if you see someone come out the other end, you're like... I tell you, though, <laughs> as a sports fan that always cheers for the underdog, you, you tend to be unhappy more often than <laughs> you are happy because it is seldom the underdog gets up, which is why we love it. But I, I was thinking about that the other day. That's, it's like... That's why you're called an underdog. <laughs> sort of. Like, I've got to stop just cheering for the underdog because I end up just being depressed all the time because they don't often win. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't bet. I'm just like, I'm sure they'll do it this time. From a, a love point of view, one of the things that I found absolutely incredible that I loved was the postage stamp mm. at Troon, the little par three, 123 yards with surrounded by five bunkers, but but with the awesomely named coffin bunker just to the left of the green, which funnily enough resembles a coffin. But watching again, watching Sophia Popov, so she's playing with Minji Lee, and Minji Lee, 123 yards in the final round of the Open, you know, with a, a girl of her class, hits it high on the hill, plays, makes an unbelievable part, but hits it up onto the hill from 123 yards, almost to an impossible position. But how magnificent short holes are. Oh, and it's like- I love short holes. Or is it seven at Pebble? You know, postage stamps. These, they're just iconic and they're magnificent and make me just want to go there and mm. play to become- Well, even, even um, is it, out at uh, Barn Beagle. Is it, the, is it the seventh fill? No one's ever invited me down there. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Oh, I'll have to get really. I think it's a seventh. It's, it's about 120, um, and it can play off the front tees. I think it plays as short as 98 or something. But it's just really hard to hit the green. It's a cracking hole. And you see, so that's that's they, um. They, they, did, they did something like a, a stat on that anyway. I think it was something like seven out of the top 15 par threes in the world rated are under 150 yards. Yeah, okay. and, and yeah. there's no TPC Sawgrass prime example. Yeah, yeah. Sawgrass, um, Augusta, Augusta, 11th, the 12th, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's heaps of them. That's where all the winds converge, these, is it? They do. We don't want to let people in on your Augusta <laughs> secrets, but that's where all the winds converge, and you've got to look <laughs> at 85,000 different trees. 800. <laughs> I just embodied my son for a minute there <laughs> who <laughs> likes to refer to it. It could be 800. A lot, of, a lot of hot air there, just Phil. as nervous looking at it. You can't. It's just the most nervous tee shot in the world, that. <laughs> and that's for a caddy. Yeah, you don't even have to hit it. <laughs> Daisy, you got a love for us? Yeah, look, I, I love when someone leapfrogs the field, probably opposite to the underdog. I, I love when someone just stands above everybody else that is already an elite field and just dwarfs them, right? And there's a couple of probably other examples. You obviously, your Tiger 2000, we won by 15. That's the other one, sorry. And then Annika Sorenstam back in 2002, I think that was. She won by 11 shots and it was only a 54-hole event in, on the LPGA Tour. And then... You've got like other sports do it as well, where you just like this, you know, I know you're a massive basketball um, nut dab. So there's heaps of times where your Jordans and your LeBrons are just that much better than, than the best. And you're like, God, it's, it's impressive. And Dustin doing what he did is, is scary good. Like that's scary good. I, I, I challenge anyone to go out there with a three ball, not a four ball, not a, not a foursome. Ambrose, but a three ball Ambrose and try to shoot 30 under for, <laughs> for four rounds, you probably wouldn't be able to do it. Right? You have to go low. Right? For, for four, you'll get away with it easy, but not for three. And he's just got one. <laughs> so it's unreal. 
It was absolutely, it was absolutely unreal. Well, I love my my love, guys, is when you there's something coming that you're waiting for and waiting for anticipation, and then it arrives, and it's everything that it promised to be and more. And is this a parcel? The, or- <laughs> the Sony A7S3 <laughs> is finally been announced, gents, and uh, it will be getting a run on many a golf baron shoot. So it's the, it's the, the outstanding. Like, it's, I'm being a tech nerd now, but it's the it's the new. Uh, the new camera from Sony, and it's um, uh, all reports game changer. So, uh, season two of Golf Barons will have uh, a new look to it. Bit of depth of field action in there. <laughs> Does it need an SD card? <laughs> Automatically backs up to the cloud. No, that's not true. It doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm all for it. <laughs> Philly, you had a couple of um, couple of ideas around was it part around par threes you wanted to to go on about? Oh, it was more just the the idea of you know you know <laughs> go on about I like that. Well, well, obviously because I'm um, because I'm distancely challenged, I have an obsession with with par threes and great par threes as per my love. But also in terms of this idea of growing the game and and getting kids into the game, why are we starved of par three courses? And is it the biggest untapped jewel? In golf, a cracking par three course, whereby and I know they have them all, Augusta and at Eastern, you know, there's a there's a par three course, there's a couple of others around the place. But why are we starved of par three courses, and are they the greatest untapped gift that golf could give back to the community to get engagement? I'll start and then we'll go around. But it's a, it is it's sad that they don't exist, but they don't exist is because people just love bombing balls. <laughs> That's all they do. You go to a driving range. And uh, I remember one stat they did in America once. It was a long time ago from one driving range. I had a little kid sit on the driving range and try to count how many, the, only the first seven bays or something, hit driver versus any other club. Any other club didn't matter and driver was like a tick in a bucket <laughs> and it was something like 85% of the shots. Like It was crazy because that's all people want to do, just beat the crap out of it. But the flip side is to, to your point, Phil, uh, it's the best, single best way to get good at this game is never hit your driver. Just just hit par three, par three course and go chip, putt and hit, you know, under 100 and 200 yards and you'll be a jet. I was going to say, Dees, that it's probably the, um, in my opinion, it'd be the best way to start out in the game as well. I mean, that's mm. that's what we did as kids. We had a pitch and putt course down uh, down the road from us and every opportunity we had, we'd, just, we'd stroll down or ride our bikes down, a couple of clubs, we'd go, go and play like three or four rounds there, have a couple of uh, yeah. chocolate billabongs in there too, which was good. And, um, hey, and it's, it's, it's illegal. Just, it's one of the- It's one of the- <laughs> It probably is now. Medicinal. It's one of the- it's genuinely <laughs> new tropics. It's, it's an absolute. I look back on it with so much fondness, and it's why, quite frankly, I'm ridiculously good around the greens, boys. <laughs> well, yeah, Stuart, Stuart Appleby used to trundle down to. I think it's called Golf Club of Australia down in Phillip Island. He used to go down there every year before Augusta, and uh, that's where he used to basically do a lot of his pre pre uh, warm up down there because they had huge greens, undulated greens, and par three holes. So yeah, there's so much merit in it. But I don't, I don't know, Phil. The, the sad part is people don't think they're real golf courses and they just want to smash balls. And I think to that, and not that this is a game changer, but but that is an interesting point about what is, they're not real golf courses or what is golf. And maybe it's a topic for another time. And in fact, no doubt will be. But this idea I saw online, there's a young girl that a, a good golf coach, Steve Giuliano, is, is teaching and he's taught her remotely mm-hmm. uh, out of Malaysia. And so she 
posted a video of her going through a swing routine on a practice fairway at Hampton Court Palace Golf Club. And her swing, coming from an absolute beginner, her swing has come miles. But someone couldn't help themselves and just posed the question, and not as necessarily as criticism, but saying, do you ever play on a golf course? Or is golf to you just, you know, literally just hitting balls on the range? And it's this definition of what golf is and what golf isn't. And from a a, a golf Australia point of view, I know when they, they did their last golf participation, uh, participation survey, if I go to the driving range every day for a year but don't step foot on a golf course, then I'm not considered yeah. to be a golfer or a regular golfer. Yet in Korea, a regular golfer yeah. is someone who only goes to the range. An unusually rich golfer is someone who gets to go to a golf course. And it was interesting, this perception then about the game mm. and about, you know, it's not a real golf course. It's not really a golf course because it's a par three. I've got to go to the driving range and hit driver. You know, it's a it's a rabbit hole. And i tell you what else is a rabbit hole is getting devs, feedback, and improvements on golf coverage because <laughs> that's really what I want to hear about. I was really just trying to delay while Dev was Ish. making notes. But this is what I've, this is what I've been yeah, desperate for. So, Dev, you've given me the thumbs up that you're prepared and ready and this finally done the research. <laughs> Dev, prepare to be underwhelmed. What do you propose? <laughs> what do you propose that we do? By the way, next week well, Philip, you're getting a picture of a segue yeah. on the back of your picture. <laughs> <laughs> Just people riding them. That was tremendous. Carry on, Dave. There's it was a segue. <laughs> I think there's a real opportunity for golf to explore the world of of broadcast streaming and. The, the opportunities that, that are there for broadcasting the game online and giving the viewer more choice. So the ability to, to follow a player for three or four holes and, and we could, we could do screen in screen. We can do split screen. So you can have in the bottom corner what the broadcasters want you to see. But you know what? I want to follow Adam Scott for the next three or four holes. And, and in those three or four holes, because I'm spending that much time with him, there are people talking to him when he's moving from one shot to the next. He's, 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 we can hear what he's saying. Maybe there's an interview that there's, I think there's heaps of scope in the online broadcasting where where you're giving mm-hmm. a lot more choice to the viewer not just this is what you're getting and you can follow your own game so in addition to that that then provides the ability in one platform to give you scores and stats as the game's unfolding it's just a click of a button and you can see you know a score you know a leaderboard you can find out where people are you can explore far more options than just getting dished up what the, the, uh, some director thinks is the most interesting thing that's happening at the time. So I think obviously there's drawbacks to that, but you know, there's, there's probably going to be a lot of players that are going to get hardly any viewers because if people have the choice to, to follow, they're going to follow mm. the big stars or they're going to follow the, the players from their own countries. But I think giving, giving the viewer more choice is statistically what younger audiences want from sport. You know, they're, they're talking, we're talking about a lot of data around the way young sports fans watch football now they have stats on their tablet or their phone in front of them while they're watching they want to be able to choose commentary they want to be able to choose camera angles and i think golf is perfect for that because it's such a a, a big space there's so much happening at the same time that's my opinion and and, and like i said Mm. you've got you've got you know cameras at every hole so that's the, there's no extra infrastructure that's required. It's just that mm-hmm. every camera is streaming and there's a package for each individual player in, in the game. Now, you, you probably will need additional commentators because you'll need someone who's just calling Adam Scott and there's someone who's just calling 
tiger than someone who's just yeah, – but you have that option to switch around. So discuss. <laughs> Our very dear friends at Foxtel, Amen Corner, you know, think of that comes to mind at the Masters a couple of years ago and it may still be happening, obviously not this year because someone had to enjoy – anyway. Uh, Thank you. But where you could actually choose to just watch – Amen Corner. You could have the lead group, you could have Amen Corner, you could have a couple of key areas within the course. Whereby if you've just got a fascination, Dees, to your point about hitting uh, going hitting an iron into 12 uh, as the par three and which way could the wind be going and the amusement of seeing people either fly the green having hit pure shots or dump it in the water having hit pure shots. There is that element of interactivity. You know, I would like to choose that. I think from an on-course commentator point of view, they can come a long way. And I'm still confused as to whether it's Mark Immelman or Trevor Immelman because during the PGA, he was referred to as both by the commentators. G'day, Trevor. Uh, Mark, Trevor. Anyway, he is fantastic because, Dave, to your point about pointing out pointing out where the gaps are in the golf course, where the danger is and mm. what he's to expect and yeah. what his options are, he's, he was more eloquently able to describe every situation mm. than anyone else, be it Morikawa or be it otherwise in the, in the leading groups. He was completely on top of it, which created far better interaction with the commentators. Yeah. Which allowed them to, to elevate. Yeah. Go on, Deets. Yeah, and I did, I, did, I did really want to know too, like you know, years, a couple of years ago, I know Foxtel, they referred to what Phil just said then, they did exactly that almost. Like they, they had practice fairway cam that followed the practice fairway nonstop. They had different cameras all around the course that you could push different buttons on your remote to and go to those locations and watch them. It was a huge mm. hit. But I just don't know, I suppose, it, it'll, it'll probably definitely be coming down to money. I just don't know what um, legalities CBS or those mob have in sponsoring, you know, featured groups and all the crap that goes with it because, you know, that really they can just stream their own like they do on Golf TV now, stream their own with a bunch of dudes walking around with cameras and you could pick easily. Uh, yeah, it's a great idea. I just don't know. There's also that investment part of it, uh, Dees, to touch on your point, uh, the financial cost to it all. When they know that if Tiger's playing well, they just have to be on him and they know that the viewership's going bananas. Hmm. Yeah, but and and I think Dave says like already there will be some sort of commercial agreements with different things and blah blah blah. And but but the the option or the ability to to jump around, it's got to be it's got to be. Yeah, and I think come. because of digital and because of online co- costs are coming down in in delivering this content, so it it shouldn't be that much more expensive to do that, but particularly, and that's why I stress the, the, the online sort of space because then, then during the broadcast, then you can be getting prompts, you know, so you don't just get stuck watching the same person. You can get a prompt saying this person's about to putt for an eagle or putt for a birdie and you can jump over and have a look at it. And, and it's sort of, it's, it's, it's a bit more organic. It's a bit more of a beast that's, that's than just the, yeah, the traditional broadcast. They're, they're so close to that on the PGA Tour app. Because on the PGA Tour app, you can look at, at any player, any time, see exactly what hole they're up to, what shot they've just hit, the distance, the measurements, everything, just with PGA Tour Tracker. So that's the only way that I follow actual mm. golf if I can't get to a TV is I just look at the screen and wait for the refreshing. And then as soon as it refreshes, you go, okay, he's hit it in the rough or okay, he's hit it. Oh, he's just missed a three-footer. And they do have the video footage come up, but probably, I don't know how long after, at a guess, I'd say 10, 20 minutes later, which is clearly them doing their thing. getting it. So it's 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 like it's all there, but it's in complete pieces. Otherwise, you're dead right. You just watch Joe Punner from Australia, who you really liked, or you know, for a period of time when they're in, in, doing, doing their thing, making the cut. Like That's a big thing for a lot of players. 
Just quickly, you know, and, and it's it's something that I've I haven't seen a lot of golf live, but to to be at the President's Cup with you blokes, it, it, you know, it was a privilege. It was a privilege, <laughs> and to get out and watch a bit of golf, <laughs> and to see like you know, to sit there and 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 watch a player. You know, go from the tee to his next shot and, and set up for it and, and have a look at what's in front of him and think about it. And if you can hear him and you can hear him in the caddy having a chat and talking about it and, and you get a real good sense for what's in front of him, because I think that that access has to be a part of it. You know, that, that as an audience, we, we want to get, you know, we want to peel the curtain back a little bit and find out what's going on. So, you know, I, I just think there's so much more drama to that. So, so Dees, what I'll say is about PJ track wrap. I just wanted to mention that that so a, a friend of ours was caddying for Cam Davis, uh, and has been caddying for Cam Davis all season. So um, Chewie was caddying for Cam Davis, and so I had a look on PJ tracker app to see what happened to him on eighteen because on day three he made triple on sixteen and then birdie on seventeen, and so I went on the PJ tracker app because I hadn't watched the coverage to see what happened on eighteen. And there was a straight line from the middle of the fairway out into the right trees. And so because we love caddies, even amongst my little group of friends, we love caddies. And we were saying, obviously, Chewy told him to hit the wrong shot, which involved him, which I immediately assumed based on where he'd hit his second shot, based on the PJ Tracker app, that he'd decided to hit a roping draw over the far right trees and bring it in over all the trouble onto the green. I then watched the coverage and that was not exactly what had happened, uh, which I might, which I touch on, which I will touch on a little bit in top topics. But you kind of need. It's why a straight line doesn't tell the story. It just tells right. a straight line, and I'm not going to say anything that rhymes with Tom Hanks. But it was just a straight line. But right. Dad, one thing I liked, if we talk about coverage and in terms mm. of reinventing the wheel in this age of no no crowds. The NBA playoffs particularly have been fascinating to me in terms of how they've been able to bring the audience in. Oh, Dave, sit back and, and, and enjoy this. <laughs> no, settle down. But but in terms of having a problem and coming up with a solution to the problem, so obviously in the Premier League they got cutouts of different fans' faces and filled the stands with them, which I absolutely loved. But in the NBA, literally you have got fans trying to put you off and taunt you um, whilst looking – at you. And so it's just that idea of saying, here is the problem. What are the potential solutions we could have? Because even if it was just crowd noise, as opposed to What did they do? Because I haven't seen anything. They've literally oh, got they've literally missed- got screen cams set up in a big block, like a, almost a TV block along the whole court and behind the both rings, which are people sitting at home that are fans who were staring at their webcam waving their hands around, trying to put off free throw. Like Rudy Gobert had 30 guys behind the ring all trying to put him <laughs> off, which worked. Yeah, and they're watching um, the game live. Yeah, it's good. And they're watching the game live. And so there's there's interaction, there's variety, but but each have oh, got wow. a seat at the game. Just to that point there, Phil, obviously obviously with basketball you've got a, a set stadium and it's a smaller space. Could that play out? In, could you guys honestly see that playing out in a golf course? Uh, no, but it was about in, it was about coming up with a creative solution to a problem, and so maybe what it is on the golf course is actually the sound, but actually piped crowd murmuring around the course, so there's at least some atmosphere, so the players don't feel like they're isolated. Mm, with the occasional get in the hole or mashed potatoes screamed out, mashed potatoes, <laughs> um, because or boogie woogie. What was the other? One? Anyway, I won't go. There, but um, Baba Booey, be- oh, Baba Booey. But because we were talking last week. Uh, Kipper, another thing that we'll get on to in, in questions from the gallery about Paul Casey's comment that he's actually, he feels he'll, he would cope better because there weren't crowds and there weren't that pressure. Well, bugger that. We need to be able to apply the pressure, even if it's just it. heavy breathing, of which 
Dave, you'd be really good at just doing the voiceover for around the greens, particularly on short putts. I think it'd be it'd be a really interesting dynamic. But it was the fact that they thought about what's our solution. Yeah, they got a bit of coin, and then kicked on. So I want to shift focus here, boys, into uh, some golf gear. We've seen a, seen a f- quite a few new releases recently. Uh, for like Mizuno have had some absolute crackers that have been released, um, which is really exciting. What do you guys when you when a new release comes out? What is it that excites you most? What, what's the thing that piques your interest? Uh, is, and I'm talking woods, irons. It doesn't really matter what it is. Wedges, putters. Is it? Is it the technology that's in it? Is it um, a new design? Is it a color scheme? What is it that gets you excited about new products? Beautification. Design. Design. (laughs) Commercial engineering. That's all. I don't care how it goes. I just want to look good. If it looks really good, although that said, these we were like that with the uh, with the TaylorMade M5 tool <laughs> when it came out. We said this is one of the best looking things I've ever seen, and then we hit it and we both nearly vomited. So I've still um, got I've still got one sitting on my front door. <laughs> I don't use it, but I love the look of it. <laughs> it's 1.5 meters. He uses it as his uh, social distance stick. I'm at the point in my development where I can shape myself to any club because uh, <laughs> there's it's a blank canvas. So any club will do. And I suppose that that's the point from a technology point of view. So it's when you actually see something, Dev. So it might be aesthetically or it might be I don't actually give a stuff unless as long as it's free, which is <laughs> fine to have that spirit. Contra. But, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, your number plates explains a lot. But, but in terms of seeing what they're doing with technology, what they're doing with metals, and, and just how they're reinventing problems the whole time, and you can see some reinvent problems and, and come up with creative solutions to them, and others are really good at just spraying a new coat of paint. And it's fascinating to see exactly what they do. And I remember going back to a previous life, and the term is incorrect, but the idea is the same, which is this idea of retail engineering, whereby the the product engineers get the product to a certain point where they say, okay, now it works, but it looks like crap. So they hand it over to the department in charge of making it look like anything but crap so the that it, it sits on the shelf and it sells its ass off. And so it is actually this commercial beautification. Yeah. That, that is um, what happens because it must appeal to the eye. And that's the interesting thing about Mizuno with their new ES21 wedge is they've said, this won't look any good on the shelf other than it looking different. Um, I'll put Go my hand up this. here because did I say a word that was correct? I bet you can't spell it. No, no, but I just tried to use it again to make <laughs> because, you feel good. Because that would be a um, first uh, ever in three years with you, Mob, that I've done something linguistically right. <laughs> Linguistically, I had that tonight with Bolognese. <laughs> C- carry on, mate. I'm going to backpedal a bit because I went on a shoot recently, but obviously before we weren't able to shoot, <laughs> not to give away obviously. What, where we are in history at this point in time, depending on when this comes out. Uh, you guys went off to for a wardrobe change or something and Kipper left his clubs on the tee and I hit five of the best tee shots I've hit with his with his driver, right? Now, that was probably complete fluke. But if I if I decided to buy a new set and I, I went into a house of golf or something like that and trialed a bunch of new clubs, I, I would probably pick the ones that I hit the best with. Now, it, it probably would be complete chance that I hit well with one club over another because I'm not good enough to know the difference, but I probably would. I'd probably go, well, I hit that better, mm. so I'll just buy that one. Well, I was going to ask you, Dees, with when you talk about you just like to look at a pretty club, 
do you does that change if you then hit a club that you're not necessarily enamored with hit it and you can just feel that wow this is this thing goes and this is going to be um somewhat of a game changer for me Will you then go, actually, yeah, we'll put that in? Or do you still go, no, nah, I, well, I can't look at it. It's funny it because uh, where I coach, I've got um, a little club that I use all the time. It's a little Cobra, right? Years ago, I don't know how many years ago, the model came out. But the real little head, you probably know the model number, Phil. But it's just one I have in the, ba- the bag there that I pull out on Seven. occasion because it's so little. And I just love the look of that little head while I'm holding it in my hand. I, I never really hit a ball during coaching, so I just have a club on me to scrape balls back with and whatnot. But I try to hit this thing <laughs> and it just makes me feel bad because it doesn't go anywhere compared to like yeah, any of my other, other weapons, especially my new pink blueprints. That They're just so flush that when you hit them, they go. But yeah, so I think it's down to really you can look good, but you, you're going to get humbled, aren't you? But you're lucky. The, one, the, the blueprints yeah. look good and they perform. But I just mean if there's something that if there's something that doesn't quite sit well to your eye. I don't mean an ugly stick, but I just mean something that you have two two clubs that you can look at and go, that one is visual porn to me, and that one, yeah, I could take it or leave it. But you you hit a lot better with the second. Do you go? No, I'm going for that second, or do you do you stick with the the pretty club? Realistically, I usually, honestly, I, honestly, I stick with the pretty club because I was told once, and I, and. It, I still reckon. I tell all my um, clients this as well. You got to actually like the look of it, because if you get on a fairway or a rough or whatever, and you look down at your little weapon and you don't like the look of it, it, it just starts to give you the heebie-jeebies getting it through the grass or like it does. Like hybrid is, is for me. I know they're better than a two iron. I know that. Right. <laughs> I hit them. They're better. They flight better. They do everything. I just can never put one in my bag. So, so, you think it's, so you think it's more of a look thing than a confidence thing? I think look and confidence actually ends up flowing into one another a little bit. So it's like feel. It's You feel good when you pull it out and look at it, mm. and that might have an impact on your game. Yeah, because I, I used to have this tiny two-iron that was like a butter knife, and when people who'd never seen it pull out of the bag, they're like, oh, my God, that is so small. But to me, I'd get over it, and it would just make me feel like, I better swing this good because- like there's not much room here, <laughs> so it, it, I don't know. I just like the look of mm. it. You know? I, I when it comes that. to driver, particularly though, when it, when it comes to driver, so irons. It's funny when you get closer to the ball and with those more of those idyllic control shots. If I had any club head speed, the look of the irons is more important than driver. So from a driver point of view, yeah, you actually just want to get it. What can I smash? What's just gonna, what's free, Dev? So so in order, what's free? What can get me the furthest down the fairway? And then really look comes after that because the best looking driver I've ever seen was a 510 TP. It remains the best looking driver, but can't hit it to save myself. Whereas in G400 for me at the moment, it goes. But it looks good too. Well, it, have, it have goes you ever, over um, the ladies. Test. No matter how good the Nike Sasquatch was, could you ever have put that in the bag? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, because it was square and that's sounded just, that's like a square just, one, Dav. If you yeah, haven't seen it, it sounded like someone. It sounded like a school kid just ran into a netball pole during a fun run at school. You know what it sounded like? It's it sounded like some golf balls hitting into I don't know a bin that was made into a Ned Kelly helmet. Trigger <laughs> Nike had a bet and just said, "Look, we could bring out the worst looking, worst sounding driver of all time, and I bet we still sell ten million of these things." And they're like, "Yeah, let's." You think it was a mark? You think it was just a marketing ploy? Was it just a? a test that they were having in-house. <laughs> I remember playing at Warburton Golf Club. Here's, here's a story about Sasquatch. I played at Warburton Golf Club and we were, I reckon, five holes away from a bloke who had one. And you heard this bloke hit it. And one of the guys in my group said, 
They should ban those <laughs> bloody Nike drivers. He, he couldn't even see the guy. He was on, the, you know, it could have been a cowbell, but he was on the opposite side of the course, but everyone immediately sort of looked up and gone, I re- he bought I the Nike. in the store that <laughs> um, used to basically just shutter the store like he'd been hit by a bus. It was horrendous. Uh, anyway, they're great clubs, great clubs. <laughs> now we've just touched on as on the aesthetics of clubs. What about when it comes to a whole golf experience, so guys? I'm, I just want to delve into a little bit of golf dreaming. I know we're all we're all in jail at the moment, so to speak. Uh, the thought of getting out on a golf course feels so far away. But let's dream for a second. What what is it that jumps out for you? Is it great views or is it great condition? Hmm. Not all at once. <laughs> oh, mine's simple. Because I'm old, Phil. If I've got great views, if I've got, <laughs> if I've got great, so the conditions got to be acceptable, but views will overcome condition. So, so Kingston Heath and Damo, we played, you know, and just to uh, throw out a couple of names, we played the Rolex Golf Day at uh, <coughs> Kingston Heath, uh, head of the uh, <coughs> President's Cup. Good timing, Phil. And they're timepieces, and we played at Kingston Heath. And to be frank, Kingston Heath is a magnificent golf course and there's no question it deserves its place in society uh, and in the world rankings and everything else. I feel a butt coming on here, Phil. It wasn't in the best condition and it didn't have ocean views and it didn't have breathtaking undulations. It just had cracking design. And as a result, Mm -hmm. I got around enjoying it, but I was not like, wow. Whereas I, let's say another golf course, say an old course down the Mornington Peninsula up, set up in the hills at the National, if that's not in the best condition of its life and the greens have just been scarified, I'm having a field day because of the views. So I'll take I'll take views over condition if I've got to concede one over the other. Will you, will you take views and wind over condition? <laughs> yeah. And therefore, yeah, bad well, play. Yeah, 100%. It's like good, yeah. the old book, The Good Work Spoiled, and that's pretty much, you know, golf to a T, isn't it? Like you, you just got to enjoy the walk part of it. And looking around and, and generally, you know, what do they call it, smelling the roses, because golf's a side, you know, a side thing of that. Whether you play well or play bad, it shouldn't be why you're out there. There's some people with good skill that have tended to those gardens and landscapes, <laughs> and that's worth appreci- that's worth appreciating when you're uh, putting for <laughs> a triple bogey. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Shooter? Where where do you sit on this? I'm, I sort of see it a little bit each way because, for example, if we, you know, Cape Wickham, which we played recently, the views are outstanding there, but it's the package, the hot, make, the fact that the course was in impeccable condition certainly lifted, lifted it to a, a whole new level. So I'll, I'm someone who would, would always say, let's, I'll go for the great views because I love a coastal course as a rule. That for me is the most relaxing and enjoyable golf. But I guess it depends on how bad the condition is, though, doesn't it? Mm. So if you had a course that was in great condition and had no views whatsoever, but it was in great condition and a brilliantly designed course, you can have Mm. a a magnificent day. Flip it and get a course with a great view and horrendous condition, I'm not sure you'll love it quite as much. So I think it just depends. At the the edges, at the extremes, I think, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I'm not sure I'm, I'm sold, but- yeah, I'll go for views more than likely. Are we allowed to wake up yet? <laughs> let's move on to let's move on to some top topics. Philly, straight over to you, lo- big fella. I love top topics, and this is one. So we touched on the PJ Tracker app, and I'm just going to cut to the chase with my top topics and the role of caddies because we blame this one <laughs> fair and square. So Cam Davis stood on 16 t, and he was one or two shots off the lead on the Saturday. And and look, congratulations to the young man. 
awesome year, yada, 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 yeah, but this is not what this is about. So uh, Pin got to carry over water. Pin cut tight left, dumps it in the water. Because we knew him, we blamed the caddy. Bad club selection. But the loss of confidence as a result of that. So, so on 18, so makes birdie on 17, great comeback, legend. 18, great drive, sitting perfectly, absolutely perfectly. The commentators, so on PGA Tracker app initially when I gave it the, oh, he obviously must have aimed right trying to draw it back. And my mate immediately came back saying it looked like he'd set up to shank it because I hadn't seen the footage. I then went and looked it up on KO. I chose not to watch Golf Barons uh, (laughs) and uh, went and looked up the footage on KO because we were both there next to each other. (laughs) Even the commentators, even the commentators were saying, where is he aiming? Who, why have you ever seen aim someone aim that far left? And I wondered whether there was a, a point where a player has just not had a shot, Dees, mm. as a caddy. So you've spoken to the player about what, what's to come in. He had 200 yards to the green, par five, looking to get as low as possible. Has there been a point where a player has gone, I think I just need to nudge it along the tree line, and you're there like, no, no, why don't you just hit six iron, seven iron, we'll get it on the front. No, no, I really, I just haven't got it. Have you ever had to deal I, with that as a caddy? I'm no, not that no. I'm saying that's what's well, happened, well, I, I, friends of Cam Davis. It's kind of what you said. No, well, you said, oh, no I you blamed his caddy. footage to me, and I had a quick look at it today, and I, and I was trying to listen to what the commentators were saying. It was hard to hear, and I, and I thought that's what they said. They said, why is he aiming there? Like, what? he's lost the plot. Why is he Why is he hitting this type of a shot? And that now comes back to your buddy coming earlier, Dav, of not explaining enough about – all they're doing there is stating the obvious. Why is he, well, he's, why is he hit it right? There should have been a lot more talked about the lie he had, right? The why he could be thinking of aiming there, and and I just only look at Bubba Watson, and I've been in groups where I've seen Bubba aim that far left and right, way further than Cam did. Ping ping, yeah, because he can move a ball very confidently in that direction and basically stop the error. Now, what Cam did obviously was just left the, left the blade open and blocked blocked. No, I guess block cut that way too far, but it could have been just honestly, Phil, something as simple, something as simple as the ball a little lower below his feet, just slightly. Right, you can't really play a draw off that shot, and you certainly are going to struggle to play a straight shot off it. So rather than fight the slope, just aim left, and then he go, and then he might get the okay in your head. Let's just aim way left and play a high bomb cut, which I know I can do. And all of a sudden, he's just coming out of the shot and whack. I don't know. I, I didn't see it as as a as a disaster, but it could have been in, him getting in his head. I don't know. Could it be as simple as he just he just hit a bad shot? He just missed the shot he was going I, for. I, I think so. And it's, this is where it, it's same thing. Commentary and the whole thing. They need. They've got the boom mics out there, and they've got the the what are those mics with the um where they can hone in, Dave? What are they called? Yeah, hone in mics. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, yeah, where you can actually point the microphone in a direction you can hear everything they're saying from you know thirty, fifty, eight. Believe it or not, they're called directional mics, Kipper. That's it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it, it depends. Yeah. Like, it, like they, 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 what they'll often do is they'll cut to a mic. So, like, you know, they'll, they'll, there's mics around all around the G at the football, for example, and they, they are they would be dynamic, dynamic mics, and they can cut to them. The, the, the people who are operating sound can cut to them if they want to hear a player. They know a player is coming close to that mic, so. It's more about that's, switching that's, than- That's what should be happening all the time. They should have those yeah. directional mics pointed at all times. 
and they can listen in to, you know, and then they could replay the footage and let's just hear what he talked about there. <laughs> it could be the fact that the, he goes to his caddy, you're dead right, Phil. I'm stuffed here. I just don't think I can hit this shot. <laughs> or you'd have to be pretty hot on the, uh, on the swear button though, I reckon. Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's part of it, isn't it? Honestly, Phil, I don't know. I don't know whether his caddy had a mischief and told him sling one in there, whether he had a mischief and said, I just, this is the shot I've got to play or whether he just hit a bad shot. I don't, I don't know. Have you ever had a player? Who was just desperate to hurry up and finish? Who, but we're actually in contention. But where you just had this instance where you've just, oh God, we've just got to hurry up and get to 18 and get it finished and erase this day from our memory so that we can get back to having a chance to win the event. Yeah, no, no, I've never, no. I think that yeah, the guys yeah, no. Was, All right, thanks for that. Cleared it up. Yeah, so it's the caddy's <laughs> fault. It could, See, it could, it could well be. <laughs> Let's get on Shudes' case anyway. Let's hope he's listening. Sorry, Chewy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> Boys, Dustin Johnson. I want to have a, a quick chat about him and how um, – I know we touched on how, how unbelievably emphatic his victory was. But who, um, who from yesteryear would be his equivalent? Because he's, he's now had 22 PGA Tour wins. He's, he's clearly an awesome athlete. When you think of sort of who's around that mark, other, other players from yesteryear, you, you're thinking – you know, Gary Player was 24, so he's only a couple off him. Ray Floyd's 22. Dave, Davis Love and Lanny Watkins are, are one more than him, I think, from memory. Um, and Greg, like Greg Norman was what, Kip? Was he about 20? I'm pretty sure he was 20. PGA w- Tour victories. PGA, yeah, PGA no. Tour. Oh, jeez. I'm pretty sure. I, I, anyway, I'll a, ch- I thought it was a lot more, but I could be wrong. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll can check that. But anyway, um, my point being that DJ is absolutely in the elite category. For sure. Is that fair? Is that a fair assessment, mm. boys? Yeah, absolutely. Is he the Stuart McGill <laughs> of the Shane Warne spin mm. era? No, 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 I, you, I mean, you, you overrate McGill like in if, this. Well, we can have this conversation at another point. I know, because no, no, Damien's no, about no, don't to play lose cricket. his mind. <laughs> yeah, that's, just, that's just a ridiculous <laughs> comment, Phil. Go on. <laughs> but is- He's a modern-day Peter Well, Slip. in the art of leg spin being from New South Wales, but and married to a current affair. Anyway. I'm going um, to Peter Sleep. But if Tiger- if t- if Tiger, and you can't say if he wasn't, but if Tiger wasn't around, is DJ, and yes, he's no Jack, but is DJ considered top five players of all time? I mean, like at the end of his career, is he considered in the top handful? And to Damo's question, is he therefore, because Ray Floyd is a bit of a superstar, is he Arnie? Is he Gary Player? I mean, that's not Gary a Gary Player is probably the, probably the one there that jumps out for mine. But at the same time, we've don't we have yeah, to but, don't mean, we have Gary to talk Player about Gary Player won four billion events other places. Like I don't think you can compare him. No, no. And I was going to say he hasn't he hasn't won the majors. It comes back to that: do you put a hell of a lot more weight on majors compared to PGA Tour events? So I think that's probably the starting point for it. Because I mean, if you compare it to, to Rory, Rory's won eighteen PGA events um, and what four majors. But he's also won 14 European Tour events. Yeah, exactly right. So, so I think it's a tricky one. Well, that answers. No, but Phil, I, I, again, I don't think. I hope it's a fair question because I think the guy, the guy's an absolute freak in the kindest possible terms. He's an absolute athlete. We talk about majors. He's had three, three or four majors that where he came second. He could easily have won those. Then we're talking five majors, and he's a he's a Hall of Famer. So how do you take him? So how do you take him for Rory? I mean, you got to you got to. Because Rory's had these peaks and troughs. It seems like DJ, other than when he fell down the stairs for whatever reason, has <laughs> been really stable. Like he wins every season. He's won every season that he's been on tour, I think. He, you know, whereas Rory's in the, geez, I've used the word doldrums twice in one podcast. 
But Rory gets lost and then gets found, a little bit prodigal sonish, whereas DJ is just always found, so he doesn't get the spoils. Hey, how's that for biblical? But I see, I also think, and this could be a controversial statement, <laughs> I, I still think that at the end of their careers, we're going to be saying that Jordan Spieth was better than both of them. There you go. Ooh, Bang. Wow. At the end of their careers. You can't get me until another 20 years, so I should be safe by then. <laughs> <laughs> Just on that, we're going to put down this challenge. We're yep. going to give. I reckon everyone's going to have a couple of weeks to prepare a case on <laughs> on this, and let's take a position that we have to argue because the Jordan Spieth thing. Talk about being in the wilderness. I mean, he is lost. But he's a star. But he is a jet. He'll come back. He he'll is be an back. Absolute jet. He'll and there is no question that he'll come back unless Kipper says he won't. Go Kipper. Definitely be back. I only I only look at one thing for a player, and that's. That's their impact position and six inches either side, basically. And that guy has had it since he was tiny, right? So, which guy? Which one? It's speed. Yeah. Yeah. And and he, he he knows how to get to impact and his impact position is unfreaking believable. His club, fight, uh, club face stabilization and passive rotation is unbelievable. With, uh, I'm a big – I think his passive rotation is magnificent. <laughs> but his golf, his golf swings, especially, yeah, is not flash. And he's fighting some serious battles, and therefore the other areas get put a little bit of pressure on now. But he'll he'll be back. He's just I just don't know if he'll ever be the quite the player he was because he'll be better. Well, the thing that comes with youth and extreme, I suppose, success at youth is you don't think about anything that you're necessarily doing. You're just doing it right, and then once you, you don't remember no, losses, no, and, that, and it's yeah. always that saying: is it harder to have or harder to have and lost, right? And I think, I don't know whether he'll be as mentally tough ever again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I think he'll, de- he'll definitely be back. The fact that he can putt ridiculously yeah. well, I think, has him in good stead. Mm. So I know we drifted on from uh, from DJ there. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I guess DJ, we've decided, is uh, Kipper reckons he's no good. No, no. I love him almost he- as much as Brooks. <laughs> Just paraphrasing. <laughs> I think he's a – yeah, but in terms of the greats of all time, no. I don't anywhere near class him as that yet. When you play in one country and you never go anywhere else and that's your home country, uh, yeah, there's something. No. Now, Phil, um, during the week we did receive some questions from the gallery, as yes. we've called it, at Swagger at golfbarons.com. If you've got any questions for us or you want us to uh, delve into any certain topics or you just want us to yell at each other for several minutes, swagger at golfbarons.com. Okay, ready for these, boys? We'll just – as quick as you can with the answers. So, uh, Jack from Michigan, Mm -hmm. what is the story behind Dion's angst around Paul Casey? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There's my answer. So many things. No, no, he's just he's just um, not very personable, and he's not great with caddies. So this is why we like it. This no, is such a controversial come comment. <laughs> give you us something. Short. Give me a, give me. Some, no, I know. I said short, but I want this one to be long. The others can be short. <laughs> he's changing no, the rules. Uh, it's just very lots of times. Just the way things go down out front of caddy uh, areas, you just see certain things. You're like, mm, I wouldn't cop that. And I can't think of anything in particular. I just remember over a long period of time, like. Yeah, not for me. Just not your cup of tea, days. Hmm. 
And do the caddies tend to back each other up? So, Dees, did you have a line of people behind you half ready to knife you and half ready to hug you after your dealings with Allenby? <laughs> so funny. I remember before I caddied for Allenby, going to Augusta once and I walked in and I saw, I didn't know who it was, but I saw the Allenby name on the back of the white overalls. And so, I, I was like standing there and then he spun around and I, and I did know the guy. It was, it was Ant-Man. I'm like, hey, Ant. And then as I'm about to just have a chat with him, Tony Navarro walks by and just grabs him Right by the because his face on grabs him front on, spins him around, and goes, "Oh, must be the star of the week." There's no claw marks on your back, and then just walks <laughs> off. <laughs> and, and, and that was basically like it was. Like he just knew he was just going to get thumped. So no, there's um, good ones out there. All right, next question. Uh, this is from uh, Chappie of Snobbo Morris. If I balloon the ball off the t- now, what's hang on? If I balloon the ball off the tee, can I bring my ball flight down by wearing white pants? <laughs> I, I think I think he might be referring to um, my Cameron Champ. Absolutely. Uh, desire. Thanks, Chappie. You can go back to wherever your snobby <laughs> family live. If you are an above average or a very good ball striker, how much would modern technology benefit your game? Like if you can find the middle of an iron, particularly with irons, if you can find the middle of the club face every time. This is me, Phil. Yeah. It, was, it, this from, uh, was this from Shooter at Damien at from Mornington. Uh, this is a bit of a Dorothy Dixon. <laughs> uh, Damien, would you like to start? <laughs> no, I need to hear that. I wrote it in. Phil, <laughs> come on, Kipper. What's the yeah. answer? Oh, I receive you would. Absolutely. Short answer, yeah. The modern clubs are that much better to hit a ball with. It's not even funny. We've, we know that for a fact. But it's a combination of that and the ball, though, isn't it? MP20s, so, yeah, I love them. Love my irons. As good as um, it gets. Okay. Are the uh, here's a here's a special one from uh, Mr. Uh, a, a Robert uh, from Baldwin. Are the new breed of power golfers, and I don't exactly know who he's talking about here, but are the new breed of power golfers like Shamwow and Chump the future of world golf, or is there still room for the sweet swinging ballerinas of the game? First of all, I want you to work out who Shamwow and Chump are, but is there room for the sweet swinging ballerinas of the game? Just while you're having a think about that, Dees, I'm not 100% sure this uh, segment will be here next week, Phil. <laughs> well, I, I think it's fantastic that people have questions that they want answered by the great minds that are sitting here. Dav, Chump, who's Chump on the PGA Tour? Uh, let me just Google that. <laughs> ShamWow. Give me a Sham. Who do you reckon? I don't actually know. A Chump's got to be Champs. You're all- you would think so, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and ShamWow's Sham- DeShambo. Sham- wow. Yeah, I think it's got it has to right. has to be. No, it's got to be. But he's talking about he's talking right. about bombers. Yeah, yeah. So answer the dog. Yeah. Answer the goddamn question. So, uh, is there room for the switch swinging ballerinas, or is it now just an athlete's game on the PJ Tour? No, nah, I, I read an article yesterday that there's Good only kid. something like seven, uh, seven out of eight people who've won multiple times this year, whatever it is, don't feature in the top fifteen driving distance or something. Well, There's a stat that I that I don't know, but I've mentioned. So your your opinion is someone else's. Okay, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> no, but like bombers, is, it's been around since since basically Tigger hit the airways in '99, right? It's all been about bombing, right? But people forget that Jack Nicholas was the biggest bomber out there compared to his peers. Right? Huge ball. Norman's a prime Norman example. Norman was absolutely right. Miles it's just ahead. that the these days, we've got so much more technology measuring drives that that's all people mm. see, right? And it's all they care about. They're like, oh, look at the distance, look at the speed, look at the ball body compression. Yeah, like, but yeah, you look at these other players that are um, still—they're not that far behind. <laughs> like, 
that's just like you look at the big distance and that's good and all, but they're not that short, much shorter than them. Because, it, but if you go back to Jack's time, you had like Jack Newton was every bit as long as all the others. And so the length doesn't necessarily, to your point, doesn't necessarily create the wins. But really, is there is there room for a Corey Pavin type to win another major? Or in fact, is there a Corey Pavin type left? Is probably more the question. Yeah. That, is, that, Morikawa, a- is Morikawa a modern day Corey Pavin? No, he hasn't got a good Mustaka. <laughs> well, like, how far does um, Abu and Answer hit it? Does anyone know? Five five thousand. He, he's my. He, he's hits it miles for a five foot three. It? Yeah, little. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, I five foot three, a little, but, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Like Tim Clark was one of those probably shortest hitters that I've seen be competitive in the modern era. Like that was obviously now fifteen twenty years ago, but he was unbelievably competitive for how short he hit it. But gee, it's got to be a it's got to be a dying art a little bit, doesn't it? You've got to get some length about you. Danny Danny Lee put on. What did he put on? Twenty yards or thirty yards? On purpose. Who's his coach? I think he went switched to Genghis for a while just to get land. Genghis Khan. Yeah. Wow, hey, he's <laughs> gone back. <laughs> what are the physical attributes that make you a long hitter? And don't say timing and technique. Give me something physical. And don't say hot. Well, it's it's actually a bloody fascinating question, Dad. There's no answer to it because you, as long as you've you utilize your own levers, you can make do. Because you, 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 you've got long arms, Skipper. Do you, would you do you hit it? Do you hit it long? I used to. Now I don't. But I, I, when I say used to, I used to be above PGA Tour average with my length, and right. now and now I'm well and truly below it. Now there's a couple of factors to that, but age and also all the rest of it. But yeah, nowhere near it anymore. Dees, just to answer your question before, Abraham answer is 92nd in driving distance on the tour at this year. Averaging how far does that say? Yeah, that right. Averaging 297.7 y- that's yards. That's obviously, yeah. Yeah, see, that's pretty it's, short. He's hit seven iron off that's, every tee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the question with those stats. If, you, if you're hitting a – is it only recorded when you hit a drive or is it literally off the tee on anything that's a, not a par three? They they used to well they used to do it they used to nominate two holes for the day, a yeah. they'd look at the wind they'd go downwind and headwind hole on flat surfaces. Now I know now they take a truckload more data when you've hit driver every time and when you've hit three wood. So it's changed a lot. And Phil probably knows the answer to this because they now they definitely count every every drive you hit. It's not just on a yeah. couple of holes. So they'll say like his total drives are 108, yeah. and that's his average. So. Obviously, yeah. It, it'd be interesting. That's something we should probably probably find out. But what we do want, Damo, what we do want is as many questions as possible because this segment is, must stay around. Do we? Swagger at golfbarons.com <laughs> and- because this is the questions that you want answered, not the questions that we want answered. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So a question from the gall- gallery was a good segment. Go on, Kiva. No, I was going to say, but, like I didn't know whether they, I, I didn't know whether they were directed at me or everyone, so I, I didn't know whether to talk or not. So we we'll, we'll get that right. We'll keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, in the pre-record. <laughs> and on that note, boys, we'll be bringing this tenuous links golf podcast to a close. Special thanks to today's sponsor, Under Armour outrageously fine golf apparel shoes and accessories and be sure to keep supporting us by watching golf barons on demand on ko and on foxtel with new episodes released weekly and also head over to baronslife.com and sign up to get reminders about this podcast or to check out the latest issue of barons life golf and lifestyle magazine with plenty of game-changing content inside 
Until next time, Barons, from the whole Golf Barons team, thanks for listening, and remember to add some swagger to your swing.